Amen. Good morning, church. Ah, wow. That is good stuff. That is good stuff. And that's our cry, right? That, that, Lord, we do need you. Lord, we need you in our life. We need you uh, working in our midst. And, uh, guys, we're going to be in the Word of God this morning in Psalm 132 as we continue our study here in the Psalm of Ascents. This study uh, where we're, we're studying the, the songs that people literally sang as they made their journey back to the heart of God, uh, to the city of Jerusalem during the major festivals. Now, if you're following along with us at home, um, we're going to put up a slide full screen real quick. Um, full screen real quick so that you can scan this and these are our sermon notes and so I'm going to pray for us give you a moment to go ahead and, and scan that QR code and bring up our sermon notes for the week uh, our digital sermon notes will be very helpful to you as you follow along this morning Father God as we begin uh, now to prepare our hearts to study your word we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and meet us in a special way Lord, you promise when two or more are gathered in your name that you're also with us. We know that that is true, not just when two are in a room, but any time that two in spirit gather for the same purpose, your worship, your kingdom, that you're there. And so we pray for a special manifestation of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you'd come and, and take your place in our pulpit. You are the teacher of this church, and we pray that you would teach us from the inside out the truths of Jesus, that we might see more clearly than ever before. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, well, guys, I want to start with, with a story. I, I heard a story. Actually, I, I know of this. Uh, I've, I've seen this happen and play out many times. Uh, but uh, there was a story of a young man in college that believed with all of his heart uh, that God had showed him the person that he was supposed to marry. And so he pursued that young lady with everything that he had, passionately believing that that was God's will for his life, only to find out uh, that that really wasn't the Lord's will for his life, that uh, she kind of rejected um, that approach and, and it didn't go well. And, and really, it caused so much discouragement in his life that he started to kind of doubt God. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. I, I'm not talking about unrequited college love, but, but really, what do we do when in life we're passionately pursuing something that we believe is the will of God, only to find out that that's not really God's will for our life. How do we respond? And, and, and church, how you respond will be crucial to the legacy that you leave. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. That's what we're going to see in Psalm 132. It's kind of broken up into three parts. Um, it, it's a psalm of David. And so first, we're going to hear the story of David and the heart of David. Second, we're going to hear God's heart towards David. And then third and finally, we're going to see the ultimate promise of God that God was trying to tell David about that he had misinterpreted. And I, I, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that this all makes sense to us this morning. So let's read the word of God together. Psalm 132 says, Lord, remember David and all the hardship that he endured and how he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard of the ark in Ephrathah. Uh, we found it in the fields of Ya'er. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Rise up, Lord. Come to your resting place. You and your powerful ark. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your faithful people shout for joy for the sake of your servant David. Do not reject your anointed one. 
The Lord swore an oath to David, a promise that he will not abandon. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. And uh, if your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I will teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation. And its faithful people will shout for joy. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame. But the crown he wears will be glorious. crown he wears will be glorious. So, uh, four things that I want to share with you uh, this morning, church. Okay, four things. And here is the first. Ready? I want you to understand that wanting the good things of God is never a bad thing. Let me say that again. Wanting the good things of God is never a bad thing. And, and so listen, uh, David is, is passionate here, right? David is, is zealous. He, he is zealous, and what he's zealous for, what he's passionate about is, is actually a good thing. He's passionate about the Lord. He loves the Lord so much that he wants to build a house for the Lord. He's super passionate about it. In fact, look at verse 3 uh, through 5 with me. It's up on your screen. Uh, he says, I, I won't enter my house. I won't get into my bed. I won't allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Now, I, I want you to see that vow. Now, listen. While, while the vow that he makes is, is probably misguided, and, and we'll talk about that in a second, I want you to know that the passion in the heart behind it is not. The passion in the heart behind it is not. Listen, there's going to be some times in our life that we think that we have discerned God's will for us, and we're passionately going to pursue that. And listen, passionately pursuing the Lord is never a bad thing. Now, the way we go about it, there might be some misguided steps in there, but, but, but to think that what David wants here is sinful is just completely wrong. What David wants here is great. Man, he wants a dwelling place for God amongst his people. Man, and, and that's God's heart, right, throughout Scripture. He says, I, I want to come and dwell with my, my people in the Old Testament. I want to tabernacle with my people. That's why we have laws. That's why we have covenants, so that you guys can be ready for me to live with you. So David senses all that. He's like, God, I want you to be here with your people. And so, listen, it, it, it's never a bad thing to want the good things of God. In fact, I, I want you to know, Scripture actually commands us that we should be zealous for the things of God. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, Do not lack diligence in zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit of the Lord. Do not lack diligence in zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit of the Lord. So the first thing we start with is, is, is this truth that, listen, it's never a bad thing to want the good things of God, right? And, and, and so uh, I, I'll go back to our illustration for a second. Um, that, the young man that I was talking about, listen, uh, the, the godly character traits that he was looking at in that young woman, like that's not a bad thing to want a godly wife, right? In fact, that's, that's a good thing. That's what God wants for you. And, and, and so, so we're, we're going to talk about that illustration. I'll use that in, in different areas of life as well. But I just want you to be thinking, it's never a bad thing to want the good things of God. But here's the second thing we need to know, okay? Uh, second thing we need to know. Though it's never a bad thing to want the good things of God, we need to know we often misunderstand the plans of God, right? We often misunderstand the plans of 
God. And, and so, so back to David, man. David, uh, he wants to build a, a temple for God. He wants uh, to build a place where, where God will dwell with his people. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing, right? But, but he misunderstands. He thinks that he is the one that is supposed to build the temple. And, and really what's going to happen is he's going to say, God, I want to build a house for you. And God's going to return and say to him, well, wait a second. Uh, you want to build me a house. I want to build up your household. I want to build up your legacy. I, I, I want somebody from your line to sit on my throne forever. I've, I've got a bigger plan, right? And so verse 11, uh, we, we have the first, you know, nine verses or so. We've got David saying, God, this is what I want to do for you. And we hit verse 10, and God starts saying, uh, David, here's what I want to do for you. And this is what God's word says in verse 11. God's speaking back to David. He says, the Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. Here's what God said to David. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. Right? See, God had a different plan in mind. So, so David was zealous for the things of God. The good things of God are never a bad thing. Wanting to pursue the good things of God, never a bad thing. But, but David was misguided in his understanding of God's will. And so he made some vows that actually caused some heartache and suffering uh, in his life. And so let's look at this in, in, in verse 3 and 4. I'll show it again. He, he says, man, I'm not going to enter my house. I'm not going to get into my bed. I'm not going to allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber. Now, now, not understanding God's will caused some heartache for David, didn't it? Right? He, he went through some, some difficult times because he made a vow based on his understanding. And, and, and listen, if he had sought out the Lord's understanding first, he could have put all that zeal into his relationship with his son. It would have been different. It would have been different. But, but instead, David doesn't go home to sleep. He, he basically sleeps in his office uh, for who knows how long until the Lord makes it known to him, no, I've got a, I've got a different plan. And, and, and so, guys, sometimes that's us, right? Sometimes um, we go through some heartache in our lives, and, and, and it can cause discouragement. It can even cause doubt because what we do is we 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 get in our mind what we think the God of uh, what the will of God is for our life, and we pursue that thing passionately with zeal, but but we we didn't really check it with the Word of God. Like like we're pursuing maybe maybe someone that we have in our mind. No, this is the person, right? Go back to that early illustration. Well, that caused some great heartache for that young man. But if he had instead pursued the quality traits that, he, that the Bible says a godly wife should possess, man, how different would that have been in his, in his life, right? Instead of being focused on that one person, but rather just, just saying, Lord, I, I want to follow you, and here's the traits I'm going to look for for this person in my life, uh, that it could have, like David, could have saved some, some heartache and some difficulty and, and, and erased some doubt. And, and so we, we need to be aware of that, which kind of brings me to the third point. How do we do that? Right? When we're pursuing something of the will of God and it turns out not to be the thing of God, what, what do we need to do? And, and this is important. When God's plans don't work out the way that we thought, we need to remember that His plans are always better than ours. Right? When, when, when God's plans don't work out the way that we thought, we need to remember that His plans are always better than ours. And so church, I just want you to look at me for a second. This is really important. Uh, in life at some point, you're going to pursue something that you think is God's will for your life, and it's not going to work out. I promise you. 
I promise you, it, it, it's going to happen, right? And, and so, uh, whether, let's go back to the dating illustration for a second. Uh, if that's a dating illustration, I did student ministry for so long, I'd always tell those brokenhearted uh, teenagers and college students when a relationship didn't work out and they just thought that was God's will for the life and they're completely brokenhearted, I'd come alongside them, put an arm around them and say, listen, I know how, how you feel, I know how you hurt, but can I share this truth with you? Uh, if that's how you felt about the person that wasn't God's will for you, can you imagine how much better the person that God is preparing for you will actually be, right? And the reason I say that is because God's plans are always better than ours, right? I, I, Isaiah declares this in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration, for as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's certainly what's going on here with David. Right? That's certainly what's going on here with David. David, David has this, this mindset. He's, he's thinking, man, this is what I want to do for you, God. He's passionate about it. Like it, it. It's never a bad thing to want the good things of God, but he misunderstands what God wants, and then God kind of breaks it to him. And listen, David could have just been heartbroken. He could have just began to doubt God. Well, maybe, God, I didn't hear you clearly. Maybe, maybe I was wrong, right? But then comes this realization. Wait a second, God. Your plans are always better than my plans. Right? And, and, and I want to build you a house, but God, you want to build up my whole household. You, 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 want to, you want to bring someone through my line that's going to sit on your throne forever. God, that's way bigger than what I had in my mind. That's way better than anything I could have come up with. And the same is true for your life, right? No matter what, what you're pursuing, man, if it doesn't work out, I just want to tell you right now, God's plan is going to be better than the things that you had set your hopes on. It's going to be better right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Which brings me to the fourth point. Just one thing we need to remember finally is, is when we talk about better is, is this truth. That God has promised us a glorious future that is better than anything we can think or imagine, right? God has, has promised us a glorious future that is better than anything we can think or imagine. So I'm just going to read the final part of this psalm, verse 13 through 18. And, and here's, here's the glorious future that God is, is trying to tell David is coming. It says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for His home. This is my resting place forever. I'm going to make my home here because I've desired it. And, and listen to these, these lines. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its, its needy with bread. I'm going to clothe its priest in salvation. So we've got satisfaction. We've got salvation. It says, uh, its faithful people are going to shout for joy. Satisfaction, salvation, shouting for joy. It says, there I will make a horn grow for David. I've prepared a, a lamp for my anointed one. Now that's, that's talking salvation, right? Satisfaction, shouting for joy. Now he's talking about a savior, right? He's talking about a, a horn from David, someone from the line of David, right? that is, is, is called the anointed one or the Messiah. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown he wears will be glorious. And so God is saying, man, man, David, listen, I've got something so good. You, you couldn't imagine it. 
if, if I told you. Like, I'm going to tell you, but you're not, you're, you're not going to fully grasp this only, only on the other side of the, the, the coming of Christ and the cross and, and, and His resurrection do we realize this is what God was talking about. This good thing, it's better than anything that we could think or imagine. I don't know if you've read Revelation lately. I, I think a lot of people are turning to that book during all this time, wondering, if, is this the end, Lord? Uh, what's, what's it going to be like? And, and listen, there's some tough things in Revelation where the world could get really bad. But if you, if you get to the end of the story, when you get to chapter 21, you begin to read about the good things that God is going to do. And man, they are so great that it's really hard for us to even imagine. And, and in fact, Paul uh, would write this to the church in, in Ephesus. Uh, he, he's, he's praying. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. That's the NIV. I, I like what the message says. He, he, he says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And that's God, right? That's God. God is able to do stuff way... So we, we say, listen, listen, it's never a bad thing to pursue the good things of God. We've got to understand, we often misunderstand the things of God. Uh, okay, but, but, but when we do and we're disappointed, we need to remember that God's plan is better when that thing that we thought was God's will doesn't work out. We need to remember God's will is coming and it's, and it's way better. And then ultimately, even better than that, it's better than we could ever imagine what God is actually doing in the unseen world, right? As he's redeeming all things. So church, what do we do in this place that we find ourselves as we're kind of making a journey back to the heart of God. We're singing these songs together. We're learning these songs together. I think there's some really important things we can take away from Psalm 132. And here's the first thing that we can take away, okay? Uh, this is our homework this week. We need to keep being zealous for the things of God. That's the first thing I would challenge you. Keep being zealous for the things of God, right? So don't let the, the truth that we can misunderstand the things of God, don't let that make you gun shy, right? You know what that is? Is, is when you kind of get hurt or when you mess up or you make a mistake, then you're like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just never do it. I'll, I'll just sit here. I'll sit on my hands. I'm not going to do anything. Man, that's not the way to live. That's not the way to live. Why? Because God takes all the things that we do wrong and he makes them for good. And, and so listen, I what I would encourage you, man, be zealous, be passionate about the things that God puts on your heart. And listen, if you pursue something and it turns out not to be the will of God, just know that God's got something even better. And so that doesn't mean that you don't pursue. In fact, the Bible encourages, it implores that we shouldn't give up and doing good. Uh, Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. If we don't give up. So second thing, uh, our first thing, man, keep zealous for the things of God. Second thing, I want to challenge you to ground your passion for the things of God in the Word of God. To ground your passion for the things of God in the Word of God. So let's not, let's not grow weary of doing good, um, but one way we can, we can avoid some of that heartache and that disappointment and even that doubt that comes when, when we, we think we're doing God's will and it turns out that's not God's, how can I avoid that? Well, one of the things that you can do is you can turn to the Bible for confirmation of the things that you feel like God is telling you. What I'm saying is there is a way to know the will of God. There is a way to know the will of God. And, and in fact, we find that in Romans 12, uh, Romans 12, 2, and I'm going to put it on the whole screen because I want you to see this verse. It's so important. So Romans 12, 2 uh, says, Do not be conformed to this age, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And get this last part, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I'm going to say that last part again. So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Church, what I'm telling you is that means the Word of God is saying there is a way to know if what you're, you're wanting to pursue is the will of God. And the way to do that is to make sure that your mind has been conformed to the things of God instead of the things of the world. Best way to do that, guys, the best way to do that is to be in the Word. Is to be in the Word. And, and, and when we're in the Word and we're reading the things of God, uh, it, it brings great clarity. Is this a promise of God? Right? In God's Word, does it say, hey, hey, so-and-so, you're going to go marry so-and-so. There's the name. Or does it give me a guiding principle saying, hey, as you're looking for a spouse, here's the qualities to look for. Right? These are the, this is of huge importance. This is of huge importance that the Word of God would be our confirmation, that we would turn to the Word, and, and that's where we'd find. And listen, it just saves so much heartache when we live a life and we say, hey God, man, I'm going to pursue this thing. What does it say in your Word? What does it say in your Word? Right? Uh, for instance, right now a lot of people are worried about the, the end times trying to figure stuff out. Man, is this the end? Is it the end? And, and man, listen, if that's you, I'm, I'm not knocking that. I, I mean, my wife and I had a conversation this week. I mean, there's some scary stuff going on. Could this be the beginning of the end? It could be, but it may not be. But what does the Bible say the people of God are supposed to do during the end times? Are we supposed to spend uh, what, what could be our last moment? By the way, that's the truth about life, right? Every moment could be your last moment. Not because Jesus is necessarily coming back tomorrow, but because it could be your last breath, right? Are we supposed to spend our time here on earth trying to figure out exactly when Jesus is coming back, every detail of how, 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 how rapture might work or, or, or how tribulation? Is that the focus or is the focus going and making disciples of every nation? That every person would know Jesus so that when he comes back, they are prepared. So church, I'm just telling you, there's probably a better way to spend your time that won't lead to great disappointment. I, I've seen people that have believed, no, this is the time. It's going to happen in this year. It's going to happen in this moment. And then when it doesn't happen, they are so deeply disappointed when instead they could have been focusing on making disciples and, 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 and believing Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. But, but, but listen, if my focus is on making disciples, then whenever Jesus comes, I have done His will for my life. Nothing was in vain, all right? So that's the second thing. Third thing I, I want to challenge you with is, is this, is to look forward to the better things of God. Man, to look forward to the better things of God. And I, I just challenge you with this, church, is, is this question is, are you, right? Are you looking forward to the better things of God, or are you kind of wallowing in that disappointment and, and maybe even in doubt because maybe you misunderstood uh, the will of God. I, I, I know, man, I know what it's like to say, hey, man, I believe this is what God's calling me to. I believe this is God's will. And, and you pursue that passionately and that thing doesn't work out. And it's really easy to, to just wallow in the disappointment and then begin to doubt God. But there's a better way. And, and it's this, any good thing of God that I pursue that actually turns out not to be God's will for my life, here's the beauty in it. God has something better for me to do. And if God has something better than what I want to try to build, and it's actually better, then I want to embrace that with everything that I am. Which means, to be honest, I don't get disappointed when God says, hey, that's not my will for you. 
I've, I've, I've got something else. I've got something better. I've got, my, my plan's bigger than anything that you could come up with, anything that you could scheme. Man, that's really good news. And the fact that God lets us be a part of that story is huge. And so church, what I want to do, I want to pray for you this morning. I believe in my heart that some of you have experienced this in life, right? That, that you're listening, you go, man, maybe, maybe you're dealing with it right now. You go, man, I, I thought I knew God's will, and, and now this, this thing has come, and, and, and life's just not the way that I thought, and it's just brought on kind of this spirit, this depression, this, this doubt, this discouragement, and I just want to release you from that. I want to give you hope this morning. I want to pray grace over you this morning. I just want to say to you, listen, that God is, is bigger than that this morning. You can have hope in the future plans of God that they're better than something you could even imagine this morning. I just want to release you from that discouragement. And so if that's you and you're struggling, would you just bow your heads where you are? Would you just pray with me? Father God, a creator of all, God who is bigger than all, God who is in all, forgive us your children for our limited knowledge which you know that we have and for the disappointment that comes when we place our hope in what we believe to be your plan and it doesn't work out. Lord, your plan for us when the plan that we think you had doesn't work out isn't that we would sit in discouragement, but rather that we would embrace a radical truth that if that's not your will, you've got something better for us. And Lord, if we could get to that point, boy, would that change how we deal with disappointment. And so, Father, I pray in, in, in my spirit right now, I, just, I pray right now for all my brothers and sisters that are dealing with this, because it, it, it becomes bondage. We, we, we become trapped in our discouragement, and, and it leads to almost a spiritual despair. And Jesus, for all those that are captive to that, I just proclaim that you're the Messiah that has come to set the captives free. And by the power of your Spirit this morning, Jesus, I pray that you would do just that, that you would set us free from that discouragement and that doubt, and that in that freedom we would embrace this truth, that if that's not your will, there's something better, even better than we could imagine. Let us embrace that truth, and God be glorified as we do. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.